Today I'm going to focus on unity and agreement. And Jesus talked a lot about unity and agreement. He was not talking specifically about marriage, but he was laying down a general principle regarding unity. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 and 20. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it shall be done, or it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. There are two important words related to unity and agreement, and it is that those words are bind and loose. Whenever there is agreement, there is power to bind, and there is also power to loose. To bind is to restrict or prevent from happening. To prevent something from occurring. To, so when the Bible talks about binding, it's talking about preventing. And to lose is to allow or permit. Whenever there is unity and agreement, God gives the power to bind and the power to lose. The power to prevent and the power to permit. Each one of us wants things that we want to prevent from happening in our lives. And there are things we want to allow or permit to happen in our lives. By our own personal power, we can allow and prevent some things. But in agreement, the Bible says whatever. There is greater release of what you can prevent and what you can permit when there is unity and agreement. And so for a, a husband and wife, you have awesome power to release a lot of good things into your life and to prevent a lot of bad things from happening in your life. You have awesome power the greatest force on earth is not in the militaries of the world the greatest force on earth is in the home the greatest power on earth is in the home it is in the place where two people can agree concerning things on earth that is why it should not surprise you that the greatest battle of Satan is also at home because that is where the greatest power is being generated Satan can be destroyed easily from the home because if the home is sound and children are produced from a sound home Satan will not have access to the next generation he will lose the next generation he will lose his control over people so if Satan is gonna fight he's gonna your marriage is going to fight the unity and the agreement of husband and wife most of you are involved in this battle you have no idea why it's so tough for your marriage to work sometimes 
you think the other person is too stubborn your husband is too wicked your wife is too stubborn and that's why all these problems are happening may I suggest to you it's not just because somebody is stubborn or somebody is wicked it's simply because there is an adversary of mankind he's called devil the devil Satan Lucifer and his job is to break asunder your weak your, your unity and the moment your unity is broken things are gonna happen that you cannot prevent and things are gonna happen that you don't like but they will happen so husbands and wives must attain to unity and agreement amen Amos chapter 3 verse 3 can two walk together unless they are agreed can two walk together unless they are agreed how many of you want to marry somebody you hate let's see by hand anybody here who says I want to find a person I hate and I'll marry him how many of you want to marry somebody you disagree with and fight with all the time how many of you really want to marry somebody you agree with and get on with but do you know that much as we want to marry somebody we agree with and get on with sometimes you marry and you don't seem to agree and get on with the person you marry to it happens it happens sometimes you can get the two best friends who marry and become best enemies you can see two people who love each other so much you never would think that these people will ever have problems they marry and they start fighting almost all the time because Satan is going to fight your unity he hates your unity he hates your agreement for everybody who is married who is going through difficulty in your marriage remember the first few days of your marriage how you could agree on anything and how things used to happen so well and so fast for you then Satan came in but you know Satan does not just work in the air he uses vessels you remember when the legion of demons were cast out from the man who was possessed of the demon of legions do you remember the conversation the de demons had with Jesus they said don't just let us go doing nothing at least if we can't live in a human being let's get some pigs to stay in because demons are always looking for a vessel to use without a vessel a body they can't function they can't just float in the air and do things they have to live in things so sometimes although you are a Christian born again spirit filled you can allow Satan to use you is that not so all of us little things which you shouldn't be angry about you easily get provoked because Satan can provoke you and can cause you to be angry about things you had no business being angry about and most of the time when you are angry check where the anger is coming from is it normal is it from God or is Satan provoking you to destroy the unity of your family 
every husband and wife must be on the guard and make sure they don't get provoked to destroy the unity that God wants to build with them because in that unity there is power to bind and there is power to lose how do we get agreement and unity every unity and agreement is based on a common vision common vision when there is common vision all of you see things in one way or you see the same thing you may not see it in the same way but you see the same thing you look at a target and you all decide this is what we want to do this is how we want to raise our children this is how we want to develop our family we want to buy a house at this time we want to buy land at this time we want to buy a car we want to buy land uh, 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 a television we want to buy this or we want to buy that that is vision having focus on something whenever the vision is divided you have something called division it's still vision but D die vision die vision vision which has been divided into two dissect die vision it's called division division comes when each one instead of having a common vision each one comes and says this is how I see it this is how my father taught me this is how I see it this is how my mother taught me and you can't change me and I'll do it my way whether you like it or not when that happens you have die vision the vision has been separated and when that happens nothing will work so for there to be agreement there has to be common vision and not only must there be common vision there has to be understanding of how to accomplish that vision two people who have been raised from two different homes have two different ways of solving their problems when you were growing up discipline in your home was different from discipline in your spouse's home in some homes when the children steal and the father wants to discipline the children by whipping them the mother will insult the father and say leave them leave them leave them leave them have you created a human being before so the children are left so they steal and get mommy's support or daddy's support in other families when the child steals the parents won't discuss depending on who found the the mistake the father will pull a belt and whip the children before the mother even finds out what's going on in other families the two parents will sit down to discuss what has happened and determine how to discipline the child now if you grew up from these environments and you married you can understand that the very simple issue of how to punish your children can be a very thorny issue 
what to do with money what to buy first what not to buy whether to travel or not to travel whether to invite everybody for Christmas or not for Christmas whether to go to Ujura or Ogbechocho all these are different ways in which people are raised up I am not very traditional I'm not very traditional both by upbringing and by my own personal orientation traditional things really don't fascinate me like going for festival and going to do this and I mean I, I, I just don't have time for most of those things fortunately my wife is also like that so we get on but can you imagine if I married somebody who say every Ujra or say yoko yokocha ujura yokocha ujura so they go and cut the ujura now can you imagine simple things so at a certain time in the month you know there is going to be fight your wife wants to go and cut ujura you also say stay so there's going to be fight all right very simple things can bring fight that's the vision so when you have a common vision, you must have common understanding to solve or to achieve your vision. And that simply means that husbands and wives must learn to talk. A non-communicative relationship does not have much chance for survival. If your marriage is going to work, there must be communication you must talk you must talk for communication to function three important things must be there the number one is respect respect number two compromise compromise and number three, forgiveness. Until I respect your views, I will brush everything you say aside. Because you see, whatever is not important to you, almost always seems like rubbish. Have you noticed that? When you go to an art gallery, and you see somebody, some painting, which looks like manya, 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 everything. You put the colors and you, you look at you can't see whether it's a goat or a human head or a tree. But they say it's hard, art. But you look at it and it just looks like rubbish. You would have wished that somebody had painted a calabash. Then you say, this is a calabash. But somebody had painted you know, all kinds of things. He, they may call it abstract painting. If you don't understand abstract painting, that painting will be rubbish to you. And when somebody says he's going to buy that for 10 million cities, you will think something just went wrong upstairs. Is that not so? One of the greatest artists of the world is called Picasso, Pablo Picasso. And if you see any of Picasso's paintings, some of them are really, really, really fundamental. 
It just looks like a class 3 boy sat down and painted something. But they sell in the millions of dollars. The people who buy them, buy them because they understand something you don't understand. You will use Picasso painting to rap Kelowili. Somebody will buy it for $10 million. And that simply means that some things which appear important to one person may not appear important to the other person. And that's why you need respect. Respect does not mean I understand you. I'm not talking about understand. I'm talking about respect. Respect simply means I don't understand why you, look, you do what you do, but I think you are intelligent enough to make the right decisions. So I respect your view, although I don't see it. I don't understand it. If husbands and wives don't learn to respect one another, you would even think, especially when in Ghana, if you come from different tribes, you think your wife's tribes people, they are not intelligent. Oh yeah, people in marriage insult people with their tribe. Yeah, 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 Fantini. When you don't respect a person, you devalue the person. You devalue whatever the person says. Your, your wife, and sometimes you can be in public, your wife will make a comment when everybody will be there and say, oh, yeah, shut up, shut up, shut up. You don't understand what they are saying. You don't understand. This, you don't understand what is going on here. Shut up. No respect. And when you don't respect people, they fight you. When you respect people, they listen to you. Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow respect, you're going to get respect back. If you are a disrespectful person naturally, and let me let you know that there are people who are disrespectful naturally. They don't respect. They don't respect everybody or anybody. They talk by heart to everybody and anybody and they think they can play with everybody. So there are people who as a result of their own personal temperament and the way they were raised don't show much respect for anybody. If you are that kind of a person you must know yourself. Because you see, if you don't know yourself, you can't solve your problem. Are you respectful? Do you respect? People who don't respect are proud and arrogant because they always think they are right. They think their way is right. They think the way they know it is right. And if you are like that, you cannot engage in conversation. You will marry, but anytime you start talking, there's going to be a fight. Because you can't accommodate anybody's view. So, for there to be real communication, for us to be able to achieve our common vision, there must be respect. Secondly, there has to be compromise. Compromise simply means that... You drop your extreme positions and you try to take a step closer to the other person. Try to get closer to what the other person is saying. Try to think along with the other person. Try to move 
from an entrenched position to the next position. That's compromise. You have to make some movements if there's going to be understanding. And number three, there has to be forgiveness. Every conversation and every communication based off misunderstanding, there is hurt and there is pain. If I, was, I started talking to you, if I spoke to you about 10 minutes, I would definitely say something wrong to you. Since I started preaching, I've said things here that people didn't like in the last 15 or 20 minutes, isn't it? Be honest. There is something I said in the last 15 minutes. Ah, why did the pastor say, well, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have. Yeah. Because once you start talking, you are going to say something that somebody didn't like. It's, it's normal. If I was talking to you in 10 minutes, you would say something I don't like. You may be my best friend, but you say something I don't like. And some of the things I don't like may be personal. And that is why you need forgiveness. Forgiveness, this kind of forgiveness, you don't wait for the person to apologize. You forgive in process. You understand what I'm saying? Why is the, the person talking you are forgiving her? You don't wait, let the person, eh, eh, eh. Do you remember what you just said? Do you remember? Why is the person talking you forgive I forgive him. I forgive her. Okay, I forgive. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I forgive her. So whilst the conversation is going on, the forgiveness is also working. If forgiveness doesn't work whilst you are talking, you will leave the main issue under discussion. And then you say, I don't like the way you said it. Are you trying to say my father didn't uh, uh, bring me up well? And you too, you too, you too. Did your father bring you up well? Look at your brother. And my brother, you too look at your uncle. That your uncle comes here. My uncle, you are talking about my uncle. Look at you yourself. The issue under discussion has been abandoned. That's why you must forgive. Whilst you are talking, you are forgiving. Whilst you are talking, you must forgive. Because if you don't forgive, you will lose the focus of your discussion. A lot of married people sit down to discuss a common vision. In 10 minutes time, they are fighting. And so that issue is abandoned. And when it's abandoned, what happens is over time, either the husband or wife will take it upon themselves to go and do it behind the other person. Because anytime they start discussing the issue, they never finish. And when that happens, you're going to see a lot of secrecy creeping into the marriage. There has to be forgiveness. And let me just give you a piece of advice. If you are waiting for people to apologize before you forgive them, the world will not be sweet for you. Mm -hmm. The world will be a very sad place. But because I'm telling you, there are people who will hurt you and not even know they just hurt you. They just be talking and just, and they're hitting you, they're hitting you, hitting you. And it's their normal way. You know, they're not doing anything extraordinary. It's just normal. By the time they finish, they've insulted you ten times. And they're still moving on and smiling. You have to learn to forgive. If you want to bring them back to correct them, 
they may not even notice what they did. And whilst you're trying to correct them, they will become defensive. So, we need to achieve common vision. And every couple has some things you want to do. And, and uh, you know, especially when it comes to finances. Finances. You see, you see husbands and wives who are struggling with finances. But they are never able to agree on anything. They decide to save. Somebody will blow the money. They decide to save before I realize maybe the wife is the one who is keeping the money in, in the wherever the trunk or under the portmanteau. And then her father comes from the village. Akushia, the house is leaky. Since the rainy season, everything is leaky. And you know your mother's sickness. And the water just drops on her. Cool. And the way it's happened, yeah, if you are not careful, you hear your mother is dead. They decide to save. Somebody will blow the money. They decide to save before I realize maybe the wife is the one who's keeping the money in, in the wherever the trunk or under the portmanteau. And then her father comes from the village. Akushia, the house is leaky. Since the rainy season, everything is leaky. And you know your mother's sickness. And the water just drops on her. Cool, cool, cool. And the way it's happened, yeah, if you are not careful, you hear your mother is dead. Don't wait for us to die. He says, okay, daddy, I've heard. He goes under the portmanteau, brings the savings, gives it to daddy. You know from then on, there will be no peace in that marriage we have to learn to wait and discuss as much as possible learn to wait and discuss there are things that both husband and wife can do independently but some things affect the two of you so much because both of you have put your ideas into it if you are executing those things please be careful because one act of that nature can easily breed so much mistrust in the marriage that unity will never be achieved turn with me to first peter chapter 3 first peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 7 wives everybody say wives okay so wives get ready this for you be submissive, like wives, likewise. Be submissive to your own husbands. That's why I hear a lot of men saying, Amen. Pastor, preach it. Be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Remember the word fear here in its original means respect. This is old King James, this is new King James, but it's still King James English. So it's respect, not fear, like fear being afraid of. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, 
or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And I hope that last part clarifies the fear. It's not terror. You do good and are not afraid with any terror. Verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not there are things you can buy there are things you can lose in agreement but when the agreement of husband and wife is disturbed your prayer will be hindered there are things you would wish that God would do but it will not be done I know that uh, I read a lot about wives and you would uh, expect me to start with wives but I'll start with husbands. Because I believe that husbands by virtue of who they are in the family setting play a very important role in the progress of the family. But husbands are ordinary people, ordinary men. So they also have their weaknesses and their struggles. However, a lot is expected from the husband to make the marriage work. That does not mean that women don't give problems. You yourself know that you, you give problems, women. You know. You know it. But, a lot of responsibility also rests on the husband. I believe that in probably about 80% of marriages, the destiny of the marriage is determined by the attitude of the husband. In a few cases, you have recalcitrant wives who do not yield to wisdom. In a few, these are rare, exceptional cases. And don't make your case that way until you are in a rare situation. But most of the time, most wives respond to the tone set by the husband. Most times. Now, I know most men don't like to hear this because they feel it to make their, their wives heads sweet them. The wives will feel good and uh, they will uh, put on airs because now they know it's, it's you. It's you. You are the trouble, so you need to hear what pastor say. You are the trouble, cause. Okay. 
Now the husband is not a trouble causer. It's just that he has great responsibility in solving the troubles. Do you remember that the first problem in the world was created by Eve, the woman. But when God came, he didn't say, Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, where are you? Responsibility lies with the man. He did not, he was not the first to take the forbidden fruit. But he was the first God spoke to. But one thing I like about Adam, he made a lot of mistakes. But he said, the woman you gave to me, she told me to eat the fruit. Now you may think that Adam was blaming the woman and yes, there was some blaming there. But I also see Adam taking responsibility to say, even if this woman has gotten us into trouble, I still accept that she is the one God gave to me. The woman you gave to me. She never denied that that woman was a gift from God. In spite of the trouble they were facing. Responsibility. She didn't say, the devil you gave to me. She said, the woman you gave to me. Husbands must recognize that their wives are a gift from God. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So much of the responsibility is going to be upon you men. And I'm one of you so, you know, when I say this thing, I put myself also under the microscope because my wife is here listening to me. And... Um, She's a woman. But when you look at that passage we just read, there are three important things in the verse 7 about how husbands are supposed to dwell or how husbands are supposed to uh, conduct themselves with their wives. First one is husbands dwell with your wife. Dwell with your wife wife it comes from a Greek word that means to live with to remain with to reside with and to dwell together to live with to remain with to reside with to be together dwell with your wives you must live with them and that literally means that when you marry, you don't live apart from each other. You don't live in Germany and your wife lives in Ghana. Sometimes I've seen people marry. And immediately they marry. They had planned that the husband should travel. To go and seek for greener pastures and soon the wife will join but what they forget is that the American embassy was not part of their marriage 
and the British consular was not a reverend minister who officiated their marriage. And so whilst you want to go, you may remain. There are cases, there are several we know of where people separate like that and the marriage collapses. Two weeks after marriage, he will go and I will join him. When you cannot guarantee joining. And husbands, don't take off simply because mamas live and we must make a better life. Sometimes one husband's decision can land a whole family in trouble. There was a man called Elimelech who married a woman called Naomi. They had two sons and they were living in Bethlehem. They decided to go to Moab, the land of Moab, because success had opened there. Money was flowing in Moab, so they all went. And you know the story. One decision of one husband. The man went himself. The water in Moab didn't fit his system. So he died. The, his children to the water in Moab didn't fit their stomach. So they all died. Husband died. Two children died. Naomi returned and says, The Lord has treated me bad. The Lord has been harsh with me. But it wasn't God who was harsh. It was the husband who decided the relocation of the family. It's not easy to be a man. It's not easy. You make decisions that have very serious generational consequences. Dwell with your wife. Not dwell apart. God did not determine that marriages should go on with telephone and internet communication. Once in a while you may travel and come, travel and come. But you don't go there six years. Where's your husband? My husband is there. Where's your eight years? He's there. Ten years. Is that marriage or what? Is it marriage by remote control or what? And some husbands leave and they go to live in another country and the life there is so nice their wives and their wife and children are here they can't come back they stay there and very soon some woman will start occupying the space then they will write back and say the thing is so difficult so I mean I've prayed about it I think you, you, anytime you feel like marrying somebody else you marry when the man writes that he knows what he's done women tell the men dwell with us it also means that the husband is to dwell with the wife and with no one else. You don't dwell with your wife from Monday to Friday and dwell with somebody else from Saturday to Sunday. You dwell with your wife. The women tell the men, I, I think this one is for you. It also means that a man is not to know sexually any woman except his wife to dwell with your woman with your wife means she's the only one you have sexual relations with you dwell with her in purity in righteousness and holiness it also means that husbands 
must dwell, stay at home. Husbands, stay at home. Wanting a fear. Don't stay in your friend's house. Don't stay at the stadium or the nightclub. Stay at home. Love your home. Love the home you are created. Love to be with your wife at home. Be a close and a supportive companion. Don't go out from the home all the time pursuing your own interests and hobbies. Stay at home. Men, listen to me. Those of you who are married, I know you are good. You are doing it. I'm not talking to those of you who are married. I know you are great husbands. I'm talking to those men who are yet to marry. I'm just trying to be respectful of the married men. I respect them. Although they don't stay at home, I respect them. And I say they stay at home in respect. Now for those of you who are yet to marry, you can't marry and live your life like a bachelor. When you marry, your habits must change. Your friends will still be your friends, but they cannot occupy the number one spot in your life again. Going out with your friends will still happen, but it must not become your number one preoccupation. If you want to go out, you go out with your wife. But more than going out, you must learn to stay because most women, because of the responsibilities they have, are always at home. These days, that a lot of women work, they get up weekday, Monday to Friday, go to the work, go to the office. They come home, they have to take care of a lot of chores and cook. Saturday, Sunday, they are cooking, cooking for Monday and Friday, and washing things and cleaning things and cleaning the home. So whilst your wife is doing all these things, it's kind that you also stay at home. Husbands, respect your wives. They are not under obligation to cook for you. I know I'll get in trouble for that. There is nowhere in the Bible that says, wives, cook for your husbands. No. So if they are doing it, because they cook better than the men, then it is just reasonable that you stay at home whilst they are doing things for both of you. It is only when you learn to dwell together that you can build a team that is in unity, that is in agreement, which will begin to bind to loose things. Mark chapter 10, verse 7 and to 9. I don't think I can finish this message. I'm just halfway through. It says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So then they are no more two, but one flesh. 
What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no man put asunder. Let no man put asunder. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Isn't it interesting that it says, For this cause shall the man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife? You know, we, I know that it, it applies both ways, that both must leave. But the greater responsibility is on the man. It's on the man to separate himself from his father and mother and receive his wife and be joined to his wife. That means the responsibility of staying rests more on the man. The Bible says when they are joined together, they are no longer two people. They are one person. Not in a physical sense that, you know, from now on they are stuck together as one. No, you and I know it doesn't happen that way. They become one because they have a common vision. They see the things they want to do together, the children they want to have together, the family they want to have together, the property they want to have together, the finances they want to have together, the careers they want to develop, the professions they want to develop, and they work it out so it becomes one vision. In doing that, they have to respect one another. They have to compromise. They have to forgive. Some things you wanted to do as a single person, you may not be able to do as a married person. And if in marriage you want to pursue your single vision, you may wreck your marriage. Some vision you had as a single person, you cannot fulfill when you marry. You can't. Because it will be incompatible with your status as a married man. Once you marry, you have to learn to bring your vision on board. Your spouse brings his or her vision on board and the two of you work it out. And there can be some adjustments and there can be some changes. It's very important to understand that. Much as we all have life visions that we want to achieve, marriage creates a new union. And in that union, there is compromise. There is compromise. You cannot be all that you wanted to be when you were single, when you married. And I'm going to teach a little bit about singleness later on because some of you may realize that singleness is better than marriage. <laughs> it's in the Bible. I'm not creating it. That's the, it's, the Bible says it's better. Because some of you will realize that you are supposed to be single. And if you force yourself to marry, you have a lot of problems. Some of you are so self-opinionated, self-centered, self-driven, that nobody can live with you. You must live with yourself. 
and fulfill your vision oh yeah some people can't compromise they can't make adjustments they can't give in they are driven and they are hard driven they decide i'm going to go to next week i'm going to bangladesh and no one can stop me next week i'm traveling and nothing will stop me like paul paul determines i'm going nothing will stop me my life is worthless to me i can't i don't count my life as anything but if you are a husband and a father you must count your life as something <laughs> you know you must count your life as something because you can't go and die free like that it affects other people but paul could say nothing bothers me if even they'll chain me i'll go if they'll kill me i'll go if you are that kind of a person don't marry i have a message for you because if you marry you will make everybody around you unhappy you make your wife unhappy you make your children unhappy because you are too driven to achieve things that are so dear and personal and important to you you don't care whether people agree with you or not don't marry just live quietly as you came so shall you go but if you want to marry you must be ready for compromise you must be ready to respect you must be ready to forgive you must be ready to have a common vision and if you're able to do that you create unity and agreement and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be losing in heaven amen mm -hmm.